Welcome. This is not your average musician podcast with me, Isaac Hernandez, and the profound Dalton McLaughlin. What's going on, man? Not a whole lot. Just being profound. Yeah, man. We got Nothing a new. <laughs> we got a profound lesson for everybody. Yeah, that we do. Yeah. As we get this this new uh, format going, we uh, today's Tuesday, and thus it is Teaching Tuesday. And today we're going over. Last week we went over the fundamentals of chord progressions, and this two-week cycle we kind of have this whole thing around composition and songwriting, aka making music. If you make music, these are episodes. These two weeks are for you. Yeah, if you like writing music or making music in any capacity. Um, mm-hmm. Thursday we got a special, pretty special episode for you guys. So be on the lookout for that. But today we're going over. How can I say this? Like capturing moods and emotions into your composition and emoting and putting those into your compositions. Would you say that that's a fair description, Dalton? Yeah, it could be a really heavy topic, but we're just going to like kind of scratch the surface, not saying that like we're going to write the most, you know, profound, saddest <laughs> piece of music. This is just like ideas to give you if you're like, I want to make something that sounds sad happy or i'm feeling sad happy and like how do i translate it to guitar or any instrument there's Mm -hmm. some techniques Mm -hmm. to use um, and we're just going to kind of go over those with regards to the approaches because last time i heard a, a really fast song is not super sad and emo maybe it is out there but normally that's not how it works yeah, I mean, for, for every situation, you could find an exception. So, again, I know we probably – I don't know if we have to preface this every single time, but like you said, this is not the end-all, be-all lesson. It's, you know, kind of like you said, we're kind of just scratching the surface and we're giving mm-hmm. you just some maybe common devices. Um, Word. But, you know, we know we know that for – well, I know this one fast – like because I thought when you said that, I thought, oh, well, The Cure writes fast, sad songs, but – you know, if we go down that road, we will be here all day. So we're <laughs> we're we basically got other, we got other things. We got to other do. stuff to do. Yeah, but we we basically we're breaking it down, especially if you're feeling kind of maybe stuck or in a place where you're writing your music and maybe it's all sounding pretty similar, which is it's fine. That's what happens. Or mm-hmm. if you're like, man, I would like this to sound a little more to use generic terms, a little more sad, you know, or maybe you, you know, Word. whatever we all associate different things with these, but you know, that's why we're using kind of these like cookie, cookie cutter terms. But some of these, um, you know, if you want to make your song a little more intense, you know, a little angrier, or if you want to like, you know what, I need the song to be very uplifting, you know, mm-hmm. if you should have a pocket full of musical devices that you can access to kind of put this into your music. Well said. Speaking of pocketfuls of devices, I think first, just to start off, you're like, this might sound a little obvious, but we're going to address it. Just there's different moods out there, and that's what we want to have in our song. So obviously, you know, you can make a happy, a sad, angry, energetic, mellow, melancholy. Like mu- music is human emotion, it's a tool to speak. So those are different avenues to get going. And again, I know it might sound obvious, but you're just like, 
what at the end of the day like what what is this tool a guitar or anything like it is an expressive tool to get feelings across mood across messages so that's number one of starting out and yes we're gonna go deeper you're like that's it no that's <laughs> not it we're gonna do more but yeah you, you, you got to tell a story of some kind mm-hmm. and it depends on what kind of story you want to tell and that at the basis of that is human emotion thing number yeah. one yeah, and a story, I think, you know, to your point, Dalton, it doesn't necessarily have to have words. It could be instrumental music. Like, Dalton only writes instrumental music, but, you know, there's definitely that storytelling aspect in his pieces. Um, so I think having that mood, and you can call it whatever you want. I mean, we just, you know, it could be like a, if you're trying to go for a vibe, you know, or, or even if you're inspired by another song or an artist and he's going for a vibe, oh, I want that vibe. You should probably be able to break that down and be like, okay how can I access that vibe other than just, you know, turn whatever, like you said, emotion into, into music. And just to reiterate, you know, what just a couple you could have, you know, very generic, happy, sad, angry, energetic, some mellow, you know, whatever labels you want to give to your, to vibes. I think it's important to have that at the forefront before you get going. Mm -hmm. And with that in mind, let's dive into some different ways to evoke emotion or mood. So the first one, rhythm, you know, before we even get into harmony or anything like that, we can have, um, when you have rhythm, you know, you always have the pulse, right? Mm-hmm. In the background. And then, I mean, there are so many things that you can do to that. We play to that, you add. So some things that you might want to keep in mind or maybe varying tempos depending on what you're trying to do. I know this is kind of generic, right? But so even with tempo, I mean, I don't even have to play any notes or anything. You could have something like slow and I'm just going to mute my guitar strings. Like, so we have rhythm, like nothing crazy, but even tempo, it's slow. It's not going to be probably the most uplifting thing in the world. Or if you have something a little faster. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, a little spicy, a little flavorful. Probably something you want to maybe dance to or mm-hmm. get going. So even just tempo. And that that's funny that with tempo, because I know in the classical music world, like allegro is like usually the fast tempo, and it literally means happy. Mm-hmm. And then you have your sad tempo is like slower like one of the words is grave which means like grave or death which is kind of dark but mm-hmm. slow could also be deep like grave like a uh voice sometimes for a voice if you have a tienes una voz grave it's like means like a like on a lower register you know yeah um, e- even my metronome on the back tells me all these tempos there you go no so. but to your point even those just two very simple examples we haven't played any notes and we haven't played any chords, anything like that. And already, if you you know just take the time to listen to those two, you got two very different vibes going in there. You know, so if you're setting, if you're trying to set something up, be a little intentional, and you know, pick the right tempo that you think will go with whatever you're trying to uh, emote. You know, and that that's so that's the tempo choice, right? And then you can go into varying rhythm changing the subdivision right because your your click or your your pulse is you know if you keep it a constant not that it has to be but for the most part right it's constant so no you can leave more space in there 
you know, or you can start to change the subdivision to, you know, like you said, like to build that intensity up if that's something that you want to change, you know, maybe or if you're trying to put mm -hmm. contrast, you know, if you have a verse that has a little more space, you know, maybe you're trying to vary it up in the chorus or something like that. And the last thing I want to go over in with rhythm is harmonic rhythm, which that means that's, that's a fancy term by the way <laughs> i got <laughs> i got i got a few just once in a while don't get don't get used to it but don't the harmonic it. the harmonic rhythm is the basically the pace at which you have your harmony changing and mm -hmm. that could be for example if you have a four chord loop right you have let's say for example a minor G major, F major, and then E E major, let's say, right? One type of harmonic rhythm could be whole notes, right? If you had like one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, and so on, right? Just one whole note per bar. Changing up the harm like increasing uh, or making it busier would be changing them to half notes. One, two, four, one, two, three, four that's a change in harmonic rhythm. Whereas first mm -hmm. I had them as whole notes and have them as half notes. So think about that, you know, maybe like if you're making beats, try not to fall into that uh, pattern. If you want to switch it up where you write whole notes for every single, you only change chords at the same spot, you know, and it doesn't have to be half notes. It could, it could literally be like, you know, you know, just to, they're still in that like uh, halftime tempo, but maybe put the accent somewhere else and, and things like that. You have anything to yeah. add on that one? I think jazz is a really good example where yes. they want intensity. They change chords like sometimes every way too fast. Yeah, yeah like every the chord beat. changes. Yeah. But yeah, um, it really it really drives the music. So uh, you could have a fast tempo and fast harmonic motion. And yeah. It, it has a pretty strong effect and it makes the players practice really hard. Yeah. Yeah. You hear this in classical music too all the time. You'll hear like uh, maybe the opening statements where like the harmonic rhythm is slower and when they want to build intensity and, and really like r drive that point back to the, you know, like if you have a, a PAC, you or um, they'll increase the harmonic rhythm. Like again, just to make the point, you know, of like, okay, this is intense and we wanted to resolve, like you want that resolution to feel good so or by that you build more tension a development of a sonata the <laughs> yes. second part Thank where you. they go away from the tonic and dominant and then mm -hmm. they throw in lots of different chords and they move really fast on Sequences. purpose yeah yeah a, a, um, fun, a classical example what's up <laughs> there you go there you go kids um so keep those in mind one more one more time let's just you know rhythm picking your tempo varying varying those tempos or the, the the subdivision and then also being aware of your harmonic rhythm where you're putting those chords in relation to um the meter that's something to keep in mind and it, i think the best way i think too is like experimenting with these you know and seeing yeah. because what i what i what i think of as really sad might be really different than what Dalton thinks of as really sad. And that's, I think, what makes this process so unique and so cool that somebody out there were like, oh, well, that doesn't sound too sad to me. Well, experiment and see what, like, really sounds sad to you. And I think also, listen, you know, paying attention to the music that you like that maybe if it sounds really sad to you, okay, what kind of harmonic rhythm do they have? Are they changing the subdivision? And, you know, I think that's where the analysis part plays in. Um, and then why don't you take us to the next point?
the my favorite point yes different keys oh my god <laughs> they're not all the same um there's lots of classical studies out there like a good example is beethoven whenever he was grumpy at the world he wrote in d minor because mm. it's kind of like a dark sounding key um you can even think of the the fifth symphony the ba -ba -ba -bum, ba -ba 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 -bum. yeah d minor yeah and even bach the uh the penalty block song as i call it the da -da 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 d minor yeah so uh bach chacon when his wife died d minor Mm -hmm. D minor's all over the place. It's mm -hmm. a great key. Sounds good on the guitar. But even like first chord, like that kind of makes you feel sad. And you could say, like, well, what about other minor keys? Are they the same? We're like, yeah, they're still minor key, but like if I play, like just that chord with its sound, and then mm -hmm. I'm going to play a completely different minor chord, A minor. It's different. So if I had a song, and then play the same thing, so you forget about the sound, and go to D minor, like I'm on team D minor, sounds just like way more spooky. Um, sounds spooky, yeah. So yeah, that's something that I know, especially if you're new or still in your beginner stages and you like certain keys you know like in band you play in concert b flat for like the first year or two and then in guitar you play in like g or d or e <laughs> or e yeah. minor mm -hmm. sometimes major can be a little scary but yeah it could be the same thing and even like on the guitar especially like in other instruments as well like c is c is pretty good pretty neutral sounding but mm -hmm. on a contrast like E major could be way more bright mm -hmm. so different keys have different qualities if you want to get real geeky about it you can do some internet digging there's books about this I'm not an expert of saying like well E flat major is this key and it sounds like that I'm like I don't go into it that much mm -hmm. but even sometimes on guitar I'll uh purposely play things in guitar keys and tune down or tune up or do a capo mm -hmm. just because i'm like i've heard g major too many times yeah so I'm like a flat maybe make it in b flat just so it has a different uh sonority mm -hmm. would be the word yeah no definitely and because maybe at the beginning or if you're just getting started you know about keys and key centers and scales and you're like what's the big deal it's just one flat three and five in every key and although that's true and that's how it works, each one it's going to have like a different quality because, you know, I think safe to say that we all kind of gravitate like I always gravitate towards like B minor and G minor. You know, I love they're, writing they're riffs. And what's the Yeah, I love writing riffs and, uh, riffs and uh, in G minor. I don't know what it is about it, you know. For me, it's just like. That's a pretty sounds kind of punky, right? Yeah, it's a shocker, right? <laughs> yeah, um, it's, it's, yeah, it's, that's where that's where I like sitting, and then for me also like something about a B minor power chord for me, you know, sitting in that. <laughs> so the, the examples are so different. <laughs> than you, and I you could say, 
B minor like is also moody, like classical way. Ooh, very good, very nice, yeah. It's the Aranwas concerto, oh, second movement. So it's like sad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like B B minor is great. Mm -hmm. It's it's a good one. Um, but yeah, like again, like it could sound kind of punky or like melancholy with that. Where if you play the same chord and you're like, oh no, G sharp. Uh, minor instead. Oh, yeah. It's just like a completely different world. Yeah. Maybe my my last nerdy point to touch upon is sometimes they sound different in different instruments. You know, like a guitar, like B minor is gonna sit differently than E flat minor because of like where the chords are. That's so a very good that point. can play a factor in as well. Well, I was going to say that that it's the guitars and beyond that, the instrument that you're on, some instruments gravitate more towards, not more, but maybe some keys are maybe more accessible. Would you would you say something like that? Maybe, you know, it might be, quote unquote, easier to play in some keys for some and that, that might totally have something to do with it, you know, with yeah, uh, the like, facility I mean, that you have. If you think of like the way the guitar is tuned, it's around the circle of fifths, same with like violin and cello and the bowed string like they like the sharp keys they're more accessible they're not as hard for the players the same thing where uh the flat keys just because like the way the literature has been written for wind bands like if you have any beginning bands you'll just see all the flats and the second you throw sharps mm -hmm. at like a middle school high school kid they're like what what's that <laughs> like so this is this is like the stringed world yeah um but yeah, like, and sometimes there's different fingerings on different instruments that yep. make it hard. Like, there's a break in between uh, C to D on, like, saxophone, mm -hmm. where, like, if you're trying to play something like that, it could kind of sound a little funky because it's hard for the nature of the instrument. Yeah, yeah, that definitely plays a big role. Which one is a piano key that piano players don't like? Is it B, B flat? I, for, I forget. They don't like C. C? C's the easiest yeah. one, no? Mm, no sharps, no flats. Interesting. I've because had if, some if you head talk shakes to when I called B or B flat. I can't remember, but go ahead. Yeah, because if you talk to a piano player, like that one's a little harder to find sometimes because there aren't any black keys. Oh, I guess it, you don't have anything to break up the pattern. I guess right. Yeah, that make that makes sense, and I guess it could all kind of blur into the same same thing. I guess I don't know. Maybe I might have yeah, depth. Yeah, I would say so. Um, but yeah, I mean to put a bow on it because now yeah. we're getting excited about keys they, <laughs> we're going they sound different yeah i promise um, if you go out and you're like you're playing something and even something simple is all one four sorry one five six four and like g and you're like i want this to sound way different what about e flat That sounds night and day. Very different. good point. Yeah. So that that's it. Cool. Yeah. Tangent. Try different tangent keys over. out there. That's it. Yeah. That, that's basically short. Just try different keys. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and talking about keys, let's breeze over <laughs> the modes a little bit, right? Because you have, and we talked a little bit about scales last week and harmonizing and playing like. Tonic, predominant, dominant. So I think this is a good build or expansion on that where let's say, uh, <laughs> let's do G major again. We have, right, G major. It's just all naturals except for the F sharp, 
right? G A B C D E F sharp. And then from there, you could be in the key, for example, of G major. And that would be your G Ionian, right? Or the first mode of the major scale. Because you have seven notes, you have seven possible modes, which basically means that each of these notes could serve as a tonic or a focal a key center, right? For example, if the second note of G major is A minor, right, you could build a chord progression around A minor. We're not in the key of A minor, right? This would be A Dorian, which makes it the second progression, the second mode of the major scale. Parent scale, G major, A Dorian, second mode of the G of the major scale. Meaning I would take what's that? You need that F sharp, yo. You need that, yeah, F sharp. And also all the chords, like if you do the exercise from last week, harmonize all your chords from the G major scale. You know, you stack thirds and that's your pool of chords. So what I like to say to my students is like, okay, for this game, you only have chords from the G major scale, but now we're going to put them all around uh, a, minor. a minor. Yeah, so A minor is my focal point, the most classic. Right, is that um, Santana sound super Dorian? It's around A minor seven, D dominant. These chords belong in the key of G major, but I'm centering around another popular maybe Dorian progression. I'm playing it in a different key. I'm thinking of Althea by the Grateful Dead, but uh, that would be in B. But for purposes, yeah, I am playing A minor, G major, and D major. What about House of the Rising Sun? Ooh, that's a good one. You play it. I don't want to play it. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's, I, that's I, I have the ropes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ooh, right there. And then... That's the one. And you, that's such a it's such a great example, dude. Yeah, because if you think about that mood, can you play it again? But instead of a D major, play a D minor. Oh, it's gonna sound weird. Yeah, it is. No, it totally is. But damn, that ain't House Whoa. of the Rising Sun. Wah, wah. That's weird. <laughs> it's so disappointing, right? That's what that F sharp sounds so damn good. And that's Dorian. that's that's yeah, that's Dorian, and that's what it is. It like this modes give you access to all these different colors to build different moods. And it all, it, the interpretations and the wording is all different for everybody. For me, it sounds like a really cool minor-ish, you know? For some people, it sounds like Miles Davis. I don't, for Dalton, maybe it sounds like House of the Rising Sun. You know, I hear Santana. Um, we all kind of associate it with, with uh, different things. But meaning, like, for example, mm -hmm. a, a dead giveaway that you have a Dorian is, like, if you have a minor one chord going to a major four. That that's that's Dorian, you know, because usually oh, if yeah. you were in A minor, it would be A minor to D minor, right? So study your modes. Let me talk about one more, and this is okay. this is Dalton's mode. We're gonna go to the third one, bro, <laughs> where you have. made a nice. mini lesson on this about on TikTok, but it's when you have I'm playing B minor 
which in G major is the third chord, and I'm going to C major, which is the fourth chord. But my focal center is around B minor. Yeah, so basically, I'm calling B minor one, and then C major is my flat two. And what does that do? Look at it, it get to be generic about it, but it gives you that like Spanish. This is Phrygian, by the way. Thank you. This is the Phrygian mode when you have. And look, you're not going to get this color from a minor key. You're not going to get this color from a major key. You're going to get this from the Phrygian. And it's just a different way to build tension. I'm going to give my one example, which is the Clash, London Calling. They do it in E. I'll give you two. They do it in E. E minor to F major. And the song is not really Phrygian because the melody doesn't suggest that. I always say it's like it's Phrygian E, kind of, you know. But it's a it's a cool way to get a different color in a punk song, right? Because if you were doing just minor, you would have E to F sharp, right? E minor. And then that that's not the song anymore, you know. That's a different different vibe. One of my favorite ones. Yeah. Ooh. And if we're in minor, that. That, if you're following classical rules, that would be a diminished chord. Oh, I made e a mistake, dub, son. Bro. <laughs> you're right. And it should be that's the chord. That's why you're here, bro, to keep me in check. And I'm here for keep, something. Yeah, to keep all to keep all the the trolls are like, uh, you're actually supposed to play a diminished chord on that second. <laughs> I got you. Yeah, thank you. And then well, the other example, for example, any fans of the Strokes out there. And then you have. Oh, no, that's not Phrygian. That's Locrian. Let me shut my mouth. You have any oh, Phrygian man. examples? Um, no. That's <laughs> <laughs> all good. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. But <laughs> basically, like... the, point, the point here that I'm trying to make is that this the modes you have, you start with your big keys the major and minor those are the mode you should practice those first and practice composing in those two keys first right and then from there start experiment they're not people get really weirded out and tripped out i know i did maybe i'm more from my personal experience they used to trip me out a lot and i used to think they were like this big profound concept you know the modes and and they can be they i mean the modes can get deep man you know but also you can start play, like if you know how to do major and minor composition, you know how to write some chords, you can start writing and, and you can start doing modal progressions like today. Yeah, and, and something else that's cool, and maybe to put it on a little profound bow, right? Yeah. Um, is to say that like you could have a song and you know, I'll bring back the, the Dorian, and we could be in A minor. Right, and you're like hanging out in there and then maybe after like a verse or two you want to add color add something so it doesn't necessarily like this song has to be no. dorian or that it could be it's a nice way to like kind of change it up through your ear for a little curveball go to you know, a, a, like, a parallel key <laughs> that come from yeah no that's a and very good I just added color mm -hmm. also hurt johnny cash is another dorian i know a lot of dorian oh, examples well, it's because we're guitar players bro <laughs> that's why yeah 
And to so. that point, yeah, no, that great example, man. And to that point, I think really to wrap this up, it's using theory is to make your instruments and your pieces come alive. You know, I don't think necessarily, mm-hmm. I don't know, but my guess maybe when Johnny Cash wrote that, he was like, I'm going to write in Dorian. Oh, but also, when, hold on, yeah. I got to fact check you again. Um, Hurt is originally by Nine Inch Nails. Get the hell out of here. No. They they wrote it first. I think they wrote it in like the 80s or 90s and Johnny Cash played it like 20 years later. I re- I seriously thought it was the other way around. I don't Are think you sure so. You can fact check me out there, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. All right. I a 100 not 100. I just I was on the the assumption and belief that it was the other way around that 9 inch nails wrote that covered it and Johnny Cash wrote it. But I don't know. So Johnny Cash did it in 2002, and Nine Inch Nails did it in 1994. Wow. I did not know. That's a cool fun fact. Anyway, so I guess maybe Nine Inch Nails, and I don't know. Maybe they are very passionate music theorists. I have no idea. I'm, but I'm guessing, and maybe if you guys are sitting in this seat where, like, I, I just because I've heard this, like, well, were they thinking about Dorian when they wrote it? Like, maybe not. Maybe they were just messing around with an A minor and D major chord. But if you're trying to find more colors and compositional tools, songwriting tools, you should know. You should know that that that's what it's called. Because so, now you can access it whenever you want. You're not constricted by like, oh, let me just play around with some chords, which mm-hmm. you can do. I mean, there's obviously you can go around so many ways. But if you if you want more more tools, you got to know what they're called. So. Keep that in mind. Speaking of another tool. Yes. I think our last tool is, and this has a lot to do with what instrument you're playing, um, experimenting with the different colors within an instrument or within Mm -hmm. an ensemble. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think a lot of times we maybe get a little excited in Guitar World, arguably one of the most colorful instruments besides singing, where you can change the Tam- the timbres really easily mm-hmm. especially on like an electric guitar with distortion or clean or whatever and then in classical guitar world it can be normal or it could be uh, we call it ponticello I personally hate the ponticello but sometimes it's useful but if you played So there's contrast within that. And that that's kind of the whole point of the orchestra. Having wind instruments and brass is that you have a homogenous sounding instrument like violins and that. And then to add colors or like the oboe plays something. Mm-hmm. And you're like, where did this come from? Mm-hmm. What is this? You're like, well, guys, this is the oboe. <laughs> so this exists in like other worlds. It exists, well. in, I think, in every instrument, even if you're just playing by yourself. Every instrument yeah. has... And we can, it's, I guess it's a fancy term that we're using, like orchestrating and, and finding different timbres, but it's in every genre. It's in, if you're making music, if you're playing on, on another instrument, like even saxophone, right? You, look up, you think about uh, long tones, and I don't know the proper terms, but I'm thinking about jazz. You know, when, re- when the improviser wants to build intensity and starts like making the, well, I don't have the technical term, but the instrument's squealing, like on a heart, like a really... Like high yeah, you can squeak, you can honk, you can yeah. do altissimo, like the super high. Yeah. And, yeah, and that's to... what's cool about wind instruments because it's yeah. like you're talking through this 
horn or whatever. Yeah, and yeah it takes like a vo- this vo- obviously this kind of like vocal quality. Mm-hmm. Um, and guitar, we yep. have you know from like vibrato bending all these things. You have slide guitar, but you know, thinking about that just on your instrument, you know the different timbres that you have access to, and I want to say especially if you're if, even if you're just making electronic music. It goes from a couple of things. It could be the instrument itself, the way you're playing it. If you're playing like um, staccato or, you know, you're connecting all the notes, that's going to make a different difference in vibe. You know, if you're doing some lo-fi hip hop, you're probably going to get those chords ringing out a little more, you know, but maybe in the melody you contrast it with the little shorter notes, but also your selection and sounds. You know, if you're thinking of different virtual instruments, like if you're trying to, depends on the genre. You know, like, uh, again, just to use the lo-fi uh, example again, you know, you're probably going to be sampling some, like, old-school instruments, maybe some acoustic instruments, and maybe doing the the scratchy thingy on them a little bit. So that's going to give you a certain aesthetic, right? That's what we even... When you even you think of a genre, right, you know, lo-fi, like, these sounds come to my mind already. If you think about punk rock, I'm thinking, oh, loud distortion guitar, you know, like, loud, loud everything, pretty much, you know? And to to go off of that, a really good example mm-hmm. of ooh, here's here's another SAT word, a juxtaposition between distortion and cleanliness. Oh my God, mm-hmm. creep by Radiohead. Yeah, that's a, a good really one. good example where there's a difference in uh, timber, and in that case, it's distortion versus non. It's yeah, all yeah. sad, you know. You feel bad for the the poor creep, right, or whoever it is. And then yeah. I know where, and you're yeah. distortion, and you're like, maybe he's kind of like a weird creep, not like a, I feel sorry for them creep. And you don't really know. That's kind of the cool part of that. But song. it gets that's a great example because it gets intense during mm-hmm. that part when the distortion comes on. It's it's a really good example of using contrast, just with the timbre because you're playing the same instrument, but it's the the sounds that you have access to. You know, yeah. The whole song is G, B seven. C C minor. So they gotta do something to change it up. The chords never change in the whole song. Yeah. That's so. a good that's a good point. Also that uh you ever find that sometimes I get sometimes oh I gotta make these chord progressions more interesting, you know, or the harmony more interesting. I'm like, mm-hmm. you lay back, chill with the chord progression, keep it fundamental, play with the orchestration, you know, play with the sounds that you're using. And I wanna add to that what where like play with the space. You don't have to play everywhere. You know, like, you know, and this you hear it in almost every genre. Like if you want to build uh, high energy, you know, put some silence in the beginning uh, before it, you know, and then let it, mm-hmm. it's going to build because it's such like you're going from nothing to like music, you know, or whatever it is. Like think about like beat drops, you know, what happens before the beat drop. There's a little, a little break in the section and then and boom. sometimes they say something funny. Yeah. You know, it's, everybody's got to add their own twist, but it's something to keep in mind for sure. But I think to wrap this up so we don't keep it going for like another two hours is we started we could with if, well we definitely we're not we going to could. yeah we, we definitely could I mean th- this could be there are like textbooks written on this you know I mean you know it's it's very deep um, mm-hmm. but to wrap this up we started with the different moods that you can capture you know, and we're using words like happy, sad, angry. But the point was keeping that at the forefront before you start get get going. Like, okay, what what am I trying to? What kind of vibe am I going for? What kind of mood? What kind of emotion? 
is this song going to be in? You know, it's a good way for creativity. You want to try to like narrow it down because if you have all the options, it can get a little overwhelming. And then we went into the different ways that you can evoke emotion and mood. And we went from rhythm and then to our different keys and modes and all that stuff. And then lastly, with a little bit, some common devices to capture said moods. We had the Radiohead example. And I think, I think that does it for today. Would you agree? Yes, without, without making the podcast go into <laughs> profound lengths. <laughs> That's I why you I, got profound, bro. I think yeah. I've misused that word like four times. Whatever. Not a big deal. It's all good. Um, yeah. That's a great yeah. starting point mm -hmm. to put on. As you said, the bow, first know your keys, know your chord progressions a little mm -hmm. bit, and then utilize the different ones and play with rhythm, color, tempo, and you can do a lot. Yes, sir. That. Yeah, definitely. And if you have any questions about this stuff, we would love to hear from you. And, or and if there's anything if, we want to touch on. And if you're, you're out there listening, we appreciate the support smash the like and subscribe button tell all your friends family your students maybe Ooh. Mm. um and yeah that is teaching tuesday not your average musician podcast um i don't think i got anything else that's it we love we'll you out the there by one. the way every time <laughs> <We> really do <laughs> all right man